afternoon, and welcome back to another episode of The Dudes of Davy. I'm here with my co-host, Lonnie Greenberg, and today is a little bit of a special episode. It is dedicated to talking about tennis. As the world knows, the famous top-ranked player, potentially ever in the world, Roger Federer, has decided to uh, leave the sport on his own terms, and it was certainly bittersweet to watch, but as you, uh, as this audience and this crowd may not know, uh, Lonnie is one of the foremost enthusiasts of tennis. He plays it on a weekly basis. He played in high school, which I'm sure he'll love to tell us all about. But in all seriousness, we wanted to take some time to celebrate the career of Roger Federer and also weave in uh, the important topic that inevitably comes up when a great retires, which is how great was he? Is he the greatest of all time? And you know who is in that upper echelon of players? So I'm going to turn this over to you know Yannick Noah's brother, Lonnie Greenberg. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. Um, I, I do love tennis. I play it often. Um, I follow the sport. I love watching tennis matches live. Um, and I will preface this at the very beginning so everyone knows where I'm coming from. Roger Federer is my favorite athlete of all time. But I will be able to, in this pod put aside my biases to discuss this major topic um, as soundly as possible and give you the most sound facts. So, look, Roger Federer is retiring. It's, uh, I, it, I think it's time, but he's, um, you know, he, in my opinion, he's the greatest tennis player of all time. But I will say, I think it's pretty close, okay? And I, I think we know who the, the three, the big three are. It's Roger Federer. Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. So, Stefan, we know that those are the big three, right? They're, they're obviously everyone forgets about everyone that came before them. There's you know some really really great players. Recency bias, etc. There's definitely recency bias, and and we can discuss that as well. And there might be some others who might go into this conversation, but I think for all intents and purposes, those three are the three we're going to debate. So what's your high-level thought on this on this topic? I mean, as somebody who appreciates the game, I've watched a lot of tennis. You know, I'm 46, some days 55, some days 35. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up watching the Agassiz and Lendl's and Beckers and Edbergs and, and Roddick's and Leighton Hewitt's and so on, Andy Murray's and so on. But when you talk about the greats, you you name the Mount Rushmore of tennis. You know, maybe there's a little, you know, Rod Laver thrown in there. There's a couple others that you could Borg. Borg. But for me, uh, I have a very hard time putting uh, Nadal in the same category as Federer and Djokovic because of what appeared to be his enormous crutch and his enormous success on clay. How do you, how do you feel? How do you distinguish his domination on one surface and lack thereof on the other? So, right. So, so we're not going to Spain together ever um, <laughs> because you're, you're going to get hurt there. I'm sorry. Um, I, look, I, I agree with you to an extent. I, I do think if you look at the diversification of wins for Rafa, he has 22 grand slams. He has the most ever. He, he, he gets that. He deserves that. Um, he's won all four, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. All three of them have won all four, but 14 of his 22 are on clay and Roland Garros. And it just, 
you know, you take that out. Obviously, there's just eight left on other services. Eight Grand Slams on other services, even if you gave him one or two on clay just to diversify it out. He's got ten Grand Slams. He's absolutely one of the top players of all time. Do I think he's in the top three? I do. You know, it, it's it's probably between him and Sampras and Laver, right? Like it and Borg, because mm-hmm. Borg was very similar to him. Um, but I, I do think you you do start to separate this out, and it's really a conversation between Novak and Roger. Although Rafa does have great success against both of them, head to head, so he has the edge on Roger head to head. A lot look, a lot of that is on clay, obviously. Uh, Roger's lost in the the French Open final so many times to Rafa, as many of them have, um, and and. And he gives Novak a run for his money on every single and, – and the two of them, Novak and Rafa, are the same generation. They're 35 and 36, and Roger is 41. I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that makes the difference. Right. It does. Um, so let, let me ask you do, you, do you think that Rafa – would you put him ahead of Laver and Sampras? Would you put him solidly in that Mount Rushmore top three? So – I think we, we all – sometimes when we do this, you have to be honest, right? You really mm-hmm. have to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. I never saw labor play. Right, right. It was a different time. Athletes were constructed physically different. So I, I can't even make an accurate comment there. But I did watch a lot of Pete Sampras. Mm-hmm. And as much as I loathe him as a person, <laughs> I couldn't stand and still can't stand his face. His wife's face, much prettier. Yep. His face, I just found him to be consistently looking annoyed he was never a fan favorite. He never did anything to ingratiate himself. And that's okay, by the way. You don't have to. You're amazing. You're great. You don't want to be bothered. That's cool. But Sampras was an extraordinary tennis player. And he also went through periods of pure domination. So I think based on his titles and his wins, based on his consistency, uh, and I think Sampras actually left the game a little bit younger he did. Yeah, I feel like it was 35. I think it was 32. Could have been or 33. It was young. So, and by the way, that's a really interesting point. We could go. We can go down that road too because, I mean, Sampras was winning all these titles like well before. You know, how many titles has Novak won in the last five to seven years? You know, between the ages of 30 and 35, or 32 and 37. So I say Laver. I just don't have enough information. Uh, Sampras, I think we have to put there. Yeah. So that look, that's an interesting hot take that, you know, the talk is always it's the big three and it's always around who has the most majors. But when you start to deconstruct this a little bit more and and also, look, players are better conditioned now. There's more technology. That that just happens. Mm -hmm. And and, that will be the same case in 20, 30 years from now. You know, you'll have guys possibly winning titles in their 40s. But um you know, and I saw Pete Sampras play as well. And you can start to talk about them because they're both in similar eras. Roger was actually partially in that era. He bridged the eras together. Um, and he did start taking down Sampras and Agassi at the very beginning of his career, mm-hmm. at the tail end of, of Sampras and Agassi both. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of play here. I I would personally say... I put Sampras and Nadal close, um, mm-hmm. you know, 3A, 3B. I, I, I can't decipher because I absolutely love Rafael Nadal. I, you know, no one plays harder than he does. He literally plays every point like it's his last. 
and he's just watching how he plays, uh, like he he literally demoralizes his his opponents. It's it's amazing to watch his defense and just how hard he plays is, is you have to marvel at. But I think the conversation really does come down to two, and it's a lot closer than people realize. Um, Probably a lot closer than people want to realize. Want to realize? Look, there's 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 biases. I, I, I have to suppress mine in this conversation, and I will. Um, I've looked at the numbers deeply. Uh, they're head-to-head, grand slams, how they won them, um, how many times um, they've retired from matches, who's liked more, why. Um, so wh- where do you want to go with this from the very beginning? Like, We're talking about this because we're celebrating Roger Federer retiring. Right, and he's the most beautiful tennis player I've ever seen. That's that's not even a debate. But like, where, where do you think we start in this debate? Well, I think a great place to start would be to let our our audience and viewer and listeners know that we were at potentially the unofficial passing of some form of mantle. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this was uh, September of 2010. Mm-hmm. And you know you re- you probably remember better than I do, but I-, I would say let's start there and then just start to discuss that everybody, for the most part, realizes that Novak is not for everyone. Right. As a person, his personality it can come off as very crass. It can come off as very curt. You know, he's not he hasn't been looking to ingratiate himself. But what I do think I'd love to hear from you, which is you know Roger's just this absolutely beautiful tennis player. I mean, well-disciplined, well, good demeanor, good sportsmanship. Novak was a prick mm-hmm. for several years mm-hmm. before I think he started to drink either the Kool-Aid or he started to just get a little bit older and realize, why am I being this way? I don't have to be. Yeah, and that match that you referred to in 2010 was an unbelievable match. It was a five-setter Roger had two match points in that, and uh, and he lost to uh, Novak in the semifinals. Novak went on to win the U.S. Open, and that you know that really did. I, I believe Novak had one or two maybe in Australia before. I, I have to look at the numbers, but uh, or just the results. But that really started to catapult him into the confidence level to really start you know being number one. Look, he was he's Novak was number one in the world for 373 weeks. Um, not consecutive, but he holds the record for most weeks in number one, which is incredible. He ended the season um, number one in the world seven times, Roger five times. And it's really, hmm. he's really owned this decade. Roger's won a few. Roger's had some injuries. Another thing that's interesting that's been coming up recently, and I, and I, I, I had this feeling, and I, I felt like this was kind of happening to him a little bit, was, you know, in 2010, 2009, 2010, he had his first set of twins, and he had his second set of twins in 2012. Um, and he recently just said, like, if his kids couldn't come on the road with him, he would potentially retire. So I, th- I think he was a little preoccupied at the time. He's also six years older than Novak as well. Mm-hmm. So they're not they're not necessarily playing on even playing ground. Like Roger was beating him handily at the beginning of Novak's career, and Novak has been beating him recently. Um, and and it's a, it's a little bit unfair from that standpoint, um, just to compare them. But you know, the pure numbers are staggering. 
Um, they both won 82, 83% of all their matches. Rogers got 20 Grand Slams. Novak's got 21. Their breakout of Grand Slams is is very similar. Like Rogers got eight at Wimbledon. I think Novak has seven or eight at, at Australia. He's got five at Wimbledon. Rogers got I think five at the U.S. Open. Yeah, the two of them have one or two at, in in France, but we know that that's Rafa. So you know it, it's the diversification of their wins in Grand Slams and their total tournament wins is very is very similar. And head to head, they're fairly similar as well. It, you know, there's it's razor thin between the two of them. I, I mean, I I really, you know, that's when just biasy and likability I think starts playing into this. It has to. Um, and look, we talked about, I don't know, you want to go into this a little further, but like we, we talked about like at their peak, both of them at their absolute peak, you can't compare them exactly. Right. They're the same era, but they're not. Um, and who was more dominant in their peak? And it's still really close. I think Roger has the edge there in 04 to 07. So yeah, I was going to say, why, why is it really close? Because obviously I looked at some of the numbers and I think I saw some sort of stretch, whether it was 03 to 08 or 04. There was some four or five year stretch where Roger was borderline unbeatable. Yes. And you would turn on the TV and you'd be watching a match and you're like, all right, obviously I know Federer is going to win this match. Right. Why don't I remember the same thing for Novak? So Novak did have that. So it's, it's interesting. Like Roger in 2006 went 92 and five right. in matches, which on the pro tour is just beyond. I mean, <laughs> right. you're, you're, it's, and in that sport of tennis, you know, just playing, like I, I could play the same person 10 times. Right. And it is so hard to beat them nine out of 10 times. If we're like, you know, similar, or even if I'm a little bit better or they're a little bit better than me, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting game from that standpoint. Novak did have a, I think a 41 match win streak at one point. I think, okay. it, I think in, in 15 or 16. But, that, but that's like a year, year and a half. True. I mean, True. And, and by the way, I'm not discounting it. That's tremendous. But I, I even remember in the middle of this stretch with Federer, there was a feeling amongst tennis fans and even not even major tennis fans being like, has anybody ever dominated a sport the way that this guy was doing it? Is there a, yes, maybe Michael Jordan, right? Like to me, Michael Jordan dominated basketball for years. To me, Federer dominated a sport for years. And Novak gets his due. He will get even more of his due, right? He's most likely going to win a few more, most likely to end up with the most Grand Slams. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember, I don't think everyone's going to look back on Novak's career and say, maybe let's say he was the best. Maybe let's say it was close. But they're never going to say he was the most dominant for such a large period of time in the sport. Right, so in a four-year period, Roger won 11 out of 16 Grand Slams, which is just, uh, you know. Right. It's <laughs> it's beyond. I mean, you're on a court by yourself for three, four hours. I mean, like, he, he was actually on the court for 90 minutes for a lot of those matches. Right. It just absolutely blew people off the court, and it was it was art. I mean, it was it was just, he made it look so easy. Um, I, I do think nobody has ever been more dominant. And it's close between some athletes in, in other sports. I don't in, in sport tennis. I don't think anyone's ever been more dominant than he was for a four or five year stretch, which is a long stretch. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of time. Um, and he was in his mid twenties then, mid to late twenties, which was his prime. Right. And he was able to focus solely on tennis, 
and um, he absolutely dominated. It was it was it was just remarkable what he did. Novak has had stretches where he's been absolutely dominant. And Novak did almost have the calendar slam, which is very you know which very very impressive. And and um, he just ran out of steam at the U.S. Open, like literally, like I think in the final. I think he just missed it. He yeah. just missed it in the final, which that's incredible. So Novak. Right. It's close. It's close. Well, so let's so let's break this down, right? So now Novak is the king of the castle. Yeah. Officially. Yeah. He's 35, 36? 35. 35, okay. Yeah. Conceivably, mm-hmm. this man should be able to play for the next three to five years. You would think. You would think. And if he yeah. wants to, right? This right. all comes down to hunger and desire. Right. I mean, I now see a path, though, where if he does play for the next three to five years... And he doesn't get sort of dethroned by Alcaraz uh, yep. and a couple others. He could have 27, 28. And that's when you're going to start to say, hey, listen, as dominant as Federer was, yeah. okay, this man has now won seven more Grand Slams. Now he's 40, 39, 40. We now have Novak's whole body of work. Yeah. I mean, this doesn't change the fact that for many years I fucking hated him. <laughs> Okay. Right. I mean, I hate his face. He's, I mean, the crowd was booing him like crazy and it had nothing to do, you know, with anything other than well, he was just a jerk. And didn't he hit like the ball girl Ooh. with a ball once and like, it was an accident, but he's done some yeah, stuff that's, you yeah. know. You know, I, I'm almost, you know, what's the guy named Nick? Uh, Nick Curious. Yeah. I feel like Nick Curious is attending Novak school right now. <laughs> so I feel like it's a school of players who just, you know, get on the court and become asses. Right. And look, somebody brought up an interesting point too, which is. You know, he's probably missed out on a couple recently because of you know COVID and the vaccine, his whole issue there. But look, that's his choice. That's his choice, personal uh, choice. So you know, I, I I'm not going to throw that because we're not playing the game of would have, could have, should have. Right. Here at that, we're certainly not playing that game because Roger could have won two or three Grand Slams where he had match points. Like, like, come on. So it's a tough debate. It's a lot harder. You know, my knee jerk has always been Roger's the best player ever. Like, it's just, it just is. He. And what he did for the game of tennis, he like brought it to a whole nother, whole nother level, mm-hmm. a whole nother thing, completely. Uh, you see random people just wearing RF hats, which is just right. strange for tennis. Um, and he's just followed, you know, and he's he, and he's globally well liked. What, what was the the survey you showed me the other day? Oh, so this was a survey of 150,000 tennis fans, however you want to define that. Yeah. From 2013 to 2018, as to who is the greatest tennis player ever, mm-hmm. and 62% said Roger Federer. Yeah. So that was now granted that was that was 2018. We're four years removed, mm-hmm. okay. but that certainly speaks volumes, which is no surprise about his general popularity. I mean, we don't look. We we demand a lot of athletes across all sports. Mm-hmm. Many of us have unrealistic expectations of them. They need to do this. They need to do that. They can't do this. They can't do that. But they're people. He just seems like he he was one of the real good guys. He a, does across the board. And yeah, I guess to some people that could be boring. That could be vanilla. And I understand why uh, Nick and Novak and many others have a little bit more uh, fire to them. But wow, you know, for somebody to be the ambassador of a sport and potentially to also be the greatest ever, I don't know. It's, it's, re- it's really hard to not think of him as the greatest 
and for you, yeah. my friend and co-host, uh, are you going to be rooting for Novak to win matches? No. <laughs> um, Good. Look, I, I just a tremendous amount of respect for Novak. Right. I, like I, he has the greatest return of serve I've ever seen. It's it, it just I'll be in a room by myself and just be like, oh my god, that's just insane, right? And then my dog will look at me and be like, right. <laughs> um, I think I do think Novak is. If you want to start talking about surfaces, right? We we know who the king of clay is. Like that's we don't have to talk about that. Rogers the best grass court player ever. I I think there's a much deeper argument if you start getting into hardcore players. I I do think that Novak probably is the best hardcore player I've ever seen, right? And that okay. that also may help him, you know, get five Grand Slams more because for a while I don't even think it was close on hard court. And there are two two out of the four Grand Slams are on hard court, right? One's even at the beginning of the season, the Australian Open, which he he tends to come out swinging in that one. So even if he's not the best hard court player in the world, well, let's put it this way. It takes – Alcaraz is starting to come up on that. And mm. Rude, the two of them are starting to come up on Novak – I still think Novak Healthy is the best hardcore player in the world. So he does have the advantage going into two Grand Slams for probably a couple of years, right? Yeah, I mean, Alcaraz is also 18. Alcaraz is 18. So the experience is going to be... And, and Novak, too, is like what he's shown that's a little bit different than Roger. Roger was always so good at just you know, getting you down and just ending you. Like yes. ending you quickly. Yes. Like you don't even know what happened to you. It's just over. Novak could go down 2-0... And down, you know, 3-0 in the third set, and he just says, you know, fuck this. And he comes back, and he just demoralizes you. He just he just beats you up mentally to the point where you're just like, I- I'm going to lose this. Like, he, he plays mental games. He breaks you. Um, and I think that that's, that's a really – because he used to – look, he used to retire from matches. I'm so glad you said yeah. that. Talk a little bit more about that because I actually believe that was partially why – I didn't have a lot of respect for him, and it made me feel like, why am I investing in rooting for this quitter if he can if he can't give me enough? Yeah, I agree with you. He so his fitness wasn't as solid, and mentally he wasn't solid enough. I would say not just earlier in his career, but as he started winning, um, not when he got into his peak. He got into his peak when he was at just absolute, you know, peak fitness peak mental fitness, um, and he was coming back from matches. And he was actually doing the opposite later in his career. But early in his career, I think he's retired from like eight or nine matches. Rogers never retired from a match in his Not life. one? Not, not one out of over 1,500, um, which is incredible. <laughs> wow. Right? So like that, he, that never happened to him. And, and Roger was actually a hothead and like, you know, a crazy junior player, um, which is amazing. Cause he's, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because he's like very calm now. But it's very oh. well documented that he was a real hothead. And his parents were like, like really embarrassed by him. Um, well, by, by the way, that's actually a really interesting point. Yeah. And it makes me feel probably a little bit better, and I probably should, you know, adjust my opinions a little bit because if that's the case, then that's starting to imply that you have to be a little fucking crazy, mm-hmm. okay, to attempt to become the best. Yes. So. In almost any sport, by the way, yeah. we can go over Brady and Jordan and mm-hmm. Bird and many others. So clearly, Federer, Novak, 
And who knows, maybe we find out the same thing about Nadal, but we sure shit can talk about Serena and others who it's this fire that sometimes is just flat out uncontrollable. Right. Right. They all have it. I mean, they, they absolutely all have it. And, and I, will, I will make the point that I think that Novak has turned that around to turn it into a strength. Um, so I do have to give him credit for that. Uh, and earlier in his career, he was, look, he was a younger guy, but still, you know, it, it's still he, – he did retire from a lot of matches at key points, and Roger never did that. I think Roger does deserve some credit. He was able to get out his craziness um, before he got on the Pro Tour um, or right as he was entering the Pro Tour. Um, look, they're all very different guys as well. Um, but, yeah, it's it, – it's, I saw a New York Times article where they really, like, went into numbers, like, even nerdier than I could handle. And, um, you know, a lot of it pointed towards Novak by a little. Um, for the most part, it did. But generally speaking, I, you know, I, I think at the peaks, I think Roger was the best player ever. And I overall think he's his whole body of work and just how he did it. And you can't compare them exactly because of the age discrepancy. You can compare him and Nadal. They're the same mm-hmm. age. I, I would still give him the edge. And I don't think that's a biased take. Well, look, I think that um, as we start to wrap up this you know, special tennis edition, I think your appreciation and fandom of Federer is well documented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for myself, I, I never, I never saw somebody play the game the way he did, as calmly and smoothly. And you know, he would just execute. Like the amount of unforced errors for him always seemed to be so low. He was never going to beat himself. You were going to have to beat him. And I thought, I, th- I, I love that. I mean, you know, I play tennis, you know, casually, and I'm borderline terrible. And after my seventh unforced error, like in the first four games, I'm like, you know, throwing the racket like McEnroe all over the place. <laughs> and this guy is just executing and almost never from behind. Like you said it earlier, just never from behind. So to wrap up, so you just made a comment that you feel like Nadal and Novak, you know, can really be compared to one another. Well, similar ages, mm-hmm. you know, let's hope, you know, for, for the sake of tennis that we all have three, four, five years of each of them. Mm-hmm. And then you have a guy like Alcaraz, who, if you didn't watch the U.S. Open this year, you missed out. Because this kid, and I do mean kid, mm-hmm. just absolutely, and look, he didn't do anything perfect. He made plenty of mistakes. But, I mean, he won, and he looked like the best player out there. So who's going to challenge right now Nadal and Novak for the next couple of years for these you know, slam title pursuits? It's going to be Alcaraz. It's going to be Rude. Um, those are probably the two top contenders at this moment, especially on hard court. Um, and Rude took, I mean, Rude got absolutely destroyed by Nadal and Clay in the final. But, you know, who hasn't? But he's learning. I, I think those two are going to, they're going to make it harder. They're, they're especially going to make it harder for Novak. Alcaraz will make it harder on Novak on hard court um, because... He he doesn't give up. I mean, he is, and and he, and he can get to everything. I mean, literally everything. Um, so it, I think tennis is in a good place. I think Rogers left it. He brought it to such an incredible place, and then the other two kind of hopped on and and really did their part to bring it with him. I think we're in a good spot, and I think there's some good young stars, and I'm excited for what what there is, you know, in front of us. But I 
I will tell you, my eyes are now on Rafa. I, I do love Rafa. I will be rooting for him to put this out of reach. The other, <laughs> the other reason of, he puts it out of reach, right? Let's say he has more Grand Slams than Novak. Then you can be like, okay, well, it's not Nadal may have the most Grand Slams, but you can't make the argument that Novak, because he's got the most Grand Slams, is the best player of all time. Right? I, that is correct. So, I look, I'm a little protective of my Roger, but, you know, that's... As, as you should be. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I think this was great. I really appreciate, you know, hearing, you know, tennis perspective from somebody who really loves the game as much as you do. So I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Um, Roger, if you ever listen to this, uh, thank you. Thank you for 20 years of just awesome shows, incredible matches. Uh, you are inspiring. You are inspiring to millions of people. And um, maybe one day we look forward to meeting you and spending a little bit of time with you. I know that, you know, my co-host Lonnie might pass out, yes. but uh, yes. I'll, I'll lift him up and give him some smelling salt and, uh, you know, he'll get a chance to shake your hand. Yeah, I, I don't get starstruck, but I would. Um, if you're ever in Davie, um, just driving by. There's two dudes. Yeah, there's, there's two dudes <laughs> and we have two tennis courts. They're really nice, well-maintained. It'll be great. All um, right. Well, <laughs> listen, Lon, thanks so much for everything. Uh, this for Stefan Miller and the dudes of Davie. We're going to sign off. We will see you soon. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be right in time for the baseball playoffs. Have a great one. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.